Well, we say uh, good evening to Millersburg Baptist Church as we uh, continue on and uh, kind of end up this uh, section that we've done on really the body of Christ, the church in, uh, in Ephesians. And we've taken three different sections out of uh, different chapters, chapters 2, 3, and tonight we'll be doing a little bit out of chapter 4 of Ephesians. The first one we dealt with uh, the three images of the church, and that was dealing with the kingdom and the household and the temple, and that's what we're compared with. Then last week we kind of looked at the meaning the, uh, and the end of history. We looked at uh, the cosmic showcase and the fact that God has put us together as the body of Christ to manifest the very wisdom of God. And uh, that's uh, just uh, quite a mystery. And uh, when you think about it, it's an incredible thing that God has put us into the church and we see all the things that He has for us. Now in chapter 4 in our text tonight, we are uh, going to be starting at verse 11 and go through 16. Uh, And that is a lot of stuff for one night. So there's going to be a lot of things that I'm going to assume you already know. (laughs) Like you said, you never do assume that. (laughs) But sometimes because of... uh, Time elements. (laughs) You take a little bit of that in. But I want to tell you again, thank you guys very much for letting me be able to come up and worship with you and be able to share and talk about the Word of God. It's uh, my my privilege. It really is. And so when we talk about the church, I feel like we're all part, all this in together, right? Uh, By the way, if anybody uh, wants to know what you've been doing or anything on the the Sunday nights or anything, on uh, again, I told you this last year, uh, this goes on our website, on our church, gracecjcmo.org. So if you uh, want to direct them to that, if they want to know what's going on or what have you, it's it's through there. It'll say Millersburg Baptist Church, each one of those sessions. Uh, We need to understand the illustration of what God has done as far as the church is and we've been looking at that. I think we've seen the dignity of it. I've seen uh, the blessings out of this as being part of the church. The privileges are incredible. Responsibility is there too. And, uh, you know, when we think about it, God has uh, done an amazing thing in just taking human beings lost at one time and putting us into this temple. And we are the most privileged people in all the world. The body of Christ is. And we, and we know where everything's going. You know, we know where we come from. We know who we are in Christ, and we know where we're going after this. And in this uh, section tonight, it's a mighty statement. It's a purpose to tell us why Christ has appointed offices in the church, and then as a result of these offices or these particular gifts, uh, they are they equip the rest of the body of Christ down through history and up and through uh, the present time, and. Uh, Men and women uh, take those gifts that have been given by God and then they take their own gifts and uh, use them out in, the, well, out in the world and as well as in the church. And the, the whole grand purpose of all this is that the church ultimately would be perfect. And it will be. The bride is going to be spotless. That's where all of this is going. In the meantime, we are to be maturing, even uh, as, as it goes in our own time. But the ultimate object is that we will be entire, we will be complete. The church, I think today, the body of Christ sometimes is so often consumed with church growth 
Nothing wrong with church growth. That's great. But some, sometimes we can be consumed with it that we can be taken up by seminars and conferences and all the books and the programs and this and that, the organizations that go along with it. And uh, what happens is that we build the church and Christ doesn't. And we know that He is the one uh, that builds it. He says, I will build my church. That's, is that Matthew 16? Matthew 16 or 18? <laughs> one of those. But anyway, it's according to His plan and His way. So what is God's chief purpose for the church? Well, we know everything is for His glory, but is it for evangelism? Nothing wrong with evangelism. Missions? Nothing wrong with that. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Is it for social concerns? Well, we're supposed to be in the community and of it and, and uh, doing all we can in there. Is it, is it a safe place from the world? It's comfortable in church, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but that, those are good things. Matthew 28 says uh, we have the Great Commission there. Um, as we go, we are to be making disciples baptizing them, teaching them to observe all the things in the Lord. Matthew 25 says to feed the hungry. There's social concerns to clothe the naked. But we know that the chief purpose for the church is to glorify God. But according to this text here too, it's that we become fully grown. That we become mature. So that we can contribute to uh, this body. And... uh, become mature spiritual adults. And so that's what uh, Paul is kind of aiming at here. And he's showing the glory of the church and the glory of the position that we have. That's incredible as it is. What a privilege to be in the body. Well, let's take verse 11. And uh, we'll first look at the, the gifts to the church. And I probably am not going to try to spend much time on this section. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So to start with, to, for God to do this, what's our title here? What are they? God's pattern for building the church. For, for God, in building this church, He starts with giving the church gifts. And in this case, it's offices to certain people in the church. He starts with apostles. And you could spend a whole night just studying apostles. But we won't try to do that. But apostles are ones who are sent, uh, apostale, uh, to be sent forth, and they're sent on a mission. They had qualifications, some of the tests uh, that they had seen the risen Lord, uh, that they did signs and wonders and miracles, that they were sent out by Jesus Himself in person, and they were given authority to write the very Word of God. Those are some of the qualifications to be an apostle. Uh, they have those responsibilities and laying the foundation and receiving God's revelation, having that written down. We have that today because of those gifts, the, the gift of the apostles. It's an, it's an office, and we know that the apostles have ceased uh, whenever those, the, the twelve, whenever the first century was done. Um, that was it for the apostles. We have no need. Uh, God's Word was all here. Uh, it's been written down. We don't have new revelation. Uh, it uh, has been closed as far as the canon is concerned. There were general apostles. You think of Barnabas and even Timothy and Silas and some of those guys or others. Uh, they were considered to be kind of like messengers. They were used as that word apostles, but they weren't considered to be of that 
apostolic office necessarily like the Twelve, but something of that nature. There were no successors. The Roman Catholic Church says there are successors to those apostles. From Peter, it was handed on down, and of course, you get the popery. And uh, we know that that is not biblical. That's, uh, that's the structure of the, the, the papacy, right? And uh, that theory. Anyway, that's, that's apostles. That was quickly done. Uh, I'm impressed. We'll move to the next one. <laughs> um, the next one is prophets. And uh, there are disagreements on whether there are prophets today or not. As far as getting new revelation, no. Because they are found in Ephesians 2.20 um, along with the apostles that the foundation was laid. They were given direct revelation from God. They spoke it, wrote it down. They were to be judged by the apostles and what they said, according to 1 Corinthians 14. And they laid the foundation along with the apostles. Um, Cessation of of that particular uh, gift. Uh, As far as, or that office, as far as uh, gifts can be concerned, if you consider prophecy something that is proclaimed, the Word of God is proclaimed. You heard, uh, if we can put it in that general sense, you heard it this morning as Dennis proclaimed the Word of God, speaking forth, telling forth. That's really what uh, prophecy means. You probably have taught on that. So in that sense, I can say, yeah, that exists. But as for one coming in, telling new revelation, no. Think of, they're called foretelling or foretelling. Foretelling, right? And a lot, what do people usually think of when they think of a prophet when you tell them about it? What something telling in the future, right? And that's usually not the case, it's, but it's, it's making that proclamation, telling forth. Uh, the Montanists, they came up uh, with uh, prophecy uh, prophets around the 2nd century, if you've ever heard of them. And uh, of course, they said, oh, we have prophets and they're giving us new revelation. Uh, Roman Catholics, they had their prophets or their uh, new revelation. The Pope speaks ex cathedra. So they get new revelation. So the, really the Word of God is just another authority. Uh, the Anabaptists, they had prophets that gave them new revelation. And of course you can think of the Quakers uh, who received inner light and revelation that was equivalent to the Word of God or even more so. And so we can see down through history people have claimed that there were prophets and that office continued on or they got the illumination straight from God. But um, that that uh, has ceased in the sense of the way it was done as uh, as an office. The next is evangelist. You'll run into some really um, interesting debates on this, and I'm not going to even try to uh, be dogmatic on it. Um, you read Martin Lloyd Jones and, and John Calvin, and they take the view that that as an office is done away with too. It has ceased. Um, it means good news, uh, evangelism, euangelizo, uh, it's dealing with that. Or you can take James Montgomery Boyce, who is another one I really like real well in his commentaries, and he says actually this gift has not ceased. Uh, in that there are still people that are equipped, uh, they're very effective in speaking about Christ and bringing forth the good news. And so you'll have different um, ideas and thoughts whether this has ceased or not. I'm not going to press it because I'm not really sure. Usually when we think of evangelists, who do we think of? Billy Graham. Billy Graham. You're quick. Quicker than I am. And then Luis Palau and, and uh, revivalist preachers. They're called evangelists. You know, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. It's, uh, there was an office, though, that was set up in the very early church days where they helped the apostles. 
apostles would come in, start a church, like Paul would go into different places where they'd never started churches before. He would leave, somebody else would come in, and they would continue on the work. They would help that out. And as they would preach the good news there, they were given a, a good ability to, to make known the gospel. They explained the gospel well. They expounded on the truth, on what was built, what was originally founded there at, the, at that church. And so they, what was established, they came in and brought forth uh, truth, built them up. And uh, they were, some of them were considered to be church planters in that sense too. So they supplemented the work of what the apostles had done. Um, just some thoughts. Anyway, uh, the next office is pastor-teacher. And you probably exclaimed there that really a pastor is a teacher. So that's an automatic Discrepancy. Sometimes they'll say, "Well, teacher is a different role," but we know definitely a pastor is a teacher. Uh, any pastor who's not a teacher is not a pastor because he has to teach the Word of God. Uh, so we definitely know that this is a permanent office that still exists today, and because of the apostles' writing and the prophets' writing and the evangelists coming in and picking that up and taking it off, and there we have this great long history of the church. Here we come to this today, and we get that Word of God that was spoken 2,000 years ago, that was recorded, and we're teaching that hopefully the same thing that they were. And that's an incredible thing. It's only by the Holy Spirit that that can even happen. But anyway, um, pastors have um, been known as shepherds. That's really what pastor means, and... Shepherds, what do they do? They, they feed the flock. Uh, they guide them. They, they steer them. They direct them to, they, into what they are to eat. And they bring them back in uh, to, the, to the fold. And they look after them there. They guard them. And uh, you know, they, have, they have charge over them when you think pastor over sheep. And the same here. You have a guardian, a custodian, a protector, an organizer, a director, a ruler of the flocks. New Testament, usually you see pastor. Or sometimes you see elder. Uh, Presbyteros, or you will see Episcopos. So you have pastor, elder, or bishop. And usually it means the same thing, something remotely like that. What do they do? They oversee the affairs. That's Episcopos. Oversee. They uh, definitely feed the flock with the Word of God, right? They preach, and they teach, they exhort, and they pray, and they shepherd the church. So, a lot of multiple activities. Okay, verse 11. Move to verse 12. (laughs) I assume you probably know all that stuff. We still took about 10 minutes on that. Okay. Here's the reason. Here's what this is all about. Here's where we're really, really heading. For the equipping of the saints. What's What's the reason for pastor teachers? For the equipping of the saints. For the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Stop at verse 12. Equipping is a key word here. For the equipping of the saints. Carter Tismos. Carter Tismos. To make complete. To restore. If something has been broken like a bone, to mend that back together. Or nets. I think in Luke, where you have the, the nets that were having to be mended. And that's Carter Tismos. Uh, something that's broken, or even better, and what's dealing with our text would probably it means to supply whatever is lacking. We all have things lacking in our knowledge of who God is and how we are to minister, and so we need each other. And uh, the pastor teacher comes in and equips or supplies what 
the body is lacking and fills in on that. Uh, so to, to equip with that. To be made fit to serve would probably be a good way to put that. Uh, the pastors, teachers come in and uh, make the, the people be able to do that. Supplying something to deficiencies so that the, the work would be done by all of us. The pastor can't do everything. You guys know all about that. And so therefore it goes out. He teaches what's here, moves out, and now you've got it multiplied and you have all sorts of activities working. God is the one who put this all together. Mm-hmm. He came up with the master plan. The master plan, whether it be evangelism, whether it be missions, whether it be um, how, how we serve each other in the church and everything that goes on, it's all His thing that He's drawn up. And we just go by the book. Just go by the book. and uh, It's amazing how He has provided this, the leadership they take the spiritual resources and throw it out there and then everybody does with what they've been given. They use their gifts. Uh, obeying the Word of God. Um, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brethren, become complete. Well, finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Become complete. That's what Paul uses so often. He wants his people to be more mature. This is the idea here. Um, If you look at Hebrews 13, verse 20 and 21, uh, again, a same kind of thought. Now, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh, I like that. Hebrew writer says some of the same stuff that Paul says right over and over and the same kind of word there and that dealing with being complete, um, coming to that, that point. And uh, we know that as God gives the gifts to the pastor teacher and he brings that forth to the people, they get equipped. Well, what does he bring to them? The Word of God. <laughs> the Word of God in prayer. We'll break it down into two things. That's, that's the thing that, um, as far as equipping... Uh, where's my passage at? We're in four, right? Okay. Um, the first and, and most important. Matter of fact, everything revolves around the Word of God. We just prayed earlier. Those prayers um, go in line with what the Word of God would be. He, he wants us to be praying for each other and for the church and all the other different elements. But it's still based upon God's truth. Um, our singing. We'll call up yonder. What's it remind you? Well, we know that we have a place waiting for us, right? And uh, so, so it's all based upon the truth, on the doctrine. First and most important that we have. Now, there are a lot of churches that seem to be growing in a huge way, big ways. Some of those are real biblical churches. Other churches are growing big and fast, and they're not really biblical churches. 
But they have a lot of zeal. They have enthusiasm. They have music and programs. They have social activities. They have something going on every night of the week. They have youth groups and exercise groups and even yoga groups and Eastern religion. And they're bringing these kind of things in. And I last heard, and I kid you not, I saw this on, on somebody did a Facebook thing kind of making fun of it. But pole dancing. Have you ever heard of that in the church? Well, just as an exercise. The closest thing I can think of is Asherah. Right? That's right on home. Yeah. Not good. Not, not good at all. Yeah. So, but that's to bring people in. You know, we got we got these things happening. I mean, you think, man, this is a live church. It's got all these things going on. And yet... They might have a sermonette for 15 minutes on Sunday morning. They might have one that long. Uh, that's not what it's about, is it? The Word is what you evolve around. Matter of fact, if you guys didn't have the Word of God preached and you just had all sorts of little things happening, nice little stories going on, but the Word of God wasn't the center of attention, I think somebody would uh, smell a rat in, in, a, in a real short time, wouldn't they? You'd be missing it. You have to have it. You can say, well, we meet every week. We meet two, three, three times a week you guys meet, right? Officially. In the church building. Right? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. I mean, and you can say, well, listen, I've been doing this for years. It's the old... It, sometimes it could almost seem like it gets old. But it really doesn't, does it? Because we still need to be equipped. None of us has it together. We, we need to be reminded if we do know it. Even if we're keeping it simple, which is really the basic is right here, but we have to be reminded constantly. And, uh, you know, being built up on that, that's what it really does. But the Word is to be preached with enthusiasm and the depth of God's Word is always going to come out to some young people if they can catch just a little bit of the, the gist of it. To other people who've been around a little while, they can catch a little bit more of it. Oh, well, I never heard... Heard it that way before. That's interesting. They get another insight. And then people have been around for years and years. They've been Christians for 50 years. And I'll tell you why. Every time you get in the Word of God and somebody preaches, you go, huh, that's interesting. There's a new little insight that happens. It's never boring, is it? It's always there because it's God's Word. And and so that's, that's why. We don't have to worry about you know telling the stories and the jokes but remembering that it's it's all scripture. I, I can think think of the Timothy passages, all scripture is inspired for doctrine, reproof and such. Or preach the word, be in season, now in season, exhorting, right? The word of God. And Timothy we know the words of the words of the faith and doctrine. And so Paul hammered on to Timothy. That's what you do, you preach that. And then we know that another uh, tool for equipping is prayer. Uh, a church has to be praying. And, and and people learning how to pray. And then seeing the needs of others. You come together and then you recognize those. If you didn't get around together to like that and, and do that, how would you know what the needs are? It's really important. So that's, that's a great tool. And uh, so there's equipping. That, that, that equips us or helps us to be attentive in, in uh, serving. Now, that's where the next one comes out. Service. As he says, for the equipping of the saints 
for the work of ministry. Ministry, service, diakonos, deacon, servant, that's the idea. When uh, gifted men are faithful in preaching the Word, bringing out prayer, the people then are going to be equipped, they're going to be motivated, and they're going to do the work of service. When they're filled with the Word of God, according to Colossians, it's like Ephesians 5, which is being filled with the Spirit. You're filled with the Spirit, it's because you've been filled with the Word. Mm-hmm. If filled with the Word, you're filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And if uh, we're allowing Him to, to lead us anyway, control us. The work of the ministry is uh, bodybuilding, muscle. And so the Word is preached, and then people now are built up, and they have spiritual growth. And that's why the Word always has to be the focus. Biblical church, they're going to they're develop. Sometimes it doesn't look like it. Sometimes it seems like um, church isn't, doesn't seem to be growing. And we often, so often, look and look at the numbers, and whether it be people or money given or bills are coming in. And, and you know, you think about it and you look at it and you go, this is God's church. He's building it. He's developing it. It's actually His thing. If we be faithful and we preach this, let Him deal with the results. Mm-hmm. We don't have to really worry about those other things. He will take care of it. And that's why I say, when, all pe- when people have all those things going on, not necessarily wrong. It can be really good. But that's not how you judge a church, how it's really growing. And I'm thinking a lot of churches do that. And biblically, it's a, it's a shame. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can say that from experience. I've seen a lot of things happening in churches and I've come to find out people are ignorant spiritually. That's, uh, that's not what we're about. So anyway, ministering that gift, service, service to meet the spiritual needs. And so we know that it's not the pastor that has to be doing all this thing because what he does is he equips the people so they go out and they do the work of ministry. And what is that for? For the what? They equipped and then they edify the body of Christ, which is a building up. Edify, edifice, right? Building up the body. Building it up. Uh, one passage I like. That's First Peter two five. I got that circle, so I must have meant to myself. Make sure you cut, touch this one. <laughs> Let's see how it fits here. You also, as living stones, are being built up. There's our edification there. A spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And of course, that's really what the church is ultimately about is that we would be worshiping God, glorifying Him. And as a result, then we go on and do the service to the other people and outside, outside the church even. Building up so we can do it. Now we come to the purpose of the building up of the church. And this is from 13 on through the rest of the chapter. Here's our purpose. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, 
that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things to Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This, and I hope this word fits it, but this is just pregnant with meaning. There's so much here that you could spend weeks on this. So I'm not going to be able to cover it like I really should, but this is the section I really want to get to. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. That's what it's aiming for. To, and we already have unity because Christ has already set that up. And I think that we saw in, in chapter 4, verse 3, we, we haven't read this, but <laughs> endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. See, the church is already unified. People, people are trying to seek unity in the church and they'll try to get denominations together and they'll do things. Well, that's fine. That's good. I'm glad they can. They should be able to do that. But that's really not what the unity is talking about. The unity has already been made by God. We can't start the unity, but we can maintain it. And so there's an ongoing unity. And then I think as we look at this, there's the ultimate um, of where we're heading for to uh, when we finally reach that climax where there is perfect unity. You know, we know we're not going to get it on this side of heaven where we have perfect unity in the sense that everybody's agreeing on everything. That's only glory. And that will happen. You know, we look to that. But so he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith. It's great to even practice it now, isn't it? So we want to attain to that. Look in 1 Corinthians 1.10. Now, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. They have all sorts of spiritual gifts there. And they have a lot of other things like pride and arrogance. Puffed up fat heads. As you can see the Corinthians and all sorts of things, problems going on. And, but what does Paul say in verse 10? Now, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same Thing. Be, be agreeing on those, those same doctrines that we should be and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Having the same kind of thinking. The same mind. The same kind of discernment. That's the kind of unity that he's talking about dealing with the doctrine of the Word of God. Now, we know that the next thing he talks about is that there are divisions in the church. And there were, that's, you know, it just, just explodes. Everybody has different people that they follow. Well, what he was wanting there was that they would be thinking the same way. Like-minded. I think people that come together in this church are like-minded, right? I mean, the, as far as looking at the Word of God. So many differences on little things. You know, and, that's, and, and we still can hammer those things out. We have a lot of room to grace, but for the most part, the major doctrines and everything, there's got to be that kind of agreement. So, one thing about the purpose of the building up of the church is that God is showing that there's a unity. There's a unity in the Trinity that's perfect, isn't there? 
And there's a unity in the body of Christ that's pretty incredible uh, being led by God's Spirit. That's uh, one purpose for the building. Uh, it's an expression of uh, full maturity. And, and even now, we can have maturity in the church. Uh, at least aspire to that. Then the next thing that he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge. Now this is the word that deals with an intimate relationship with Christ. This is the word that is epignosis. To really know Him. To know Him personally. Uh, it's dealing with a full knowledge. not just It's an experiential knowledge. It's not just having some kind of an idea of who Jesus is or having the facts, but this is knowing Him. And um, Paul, uh, we know that he said, I, I want to know Him. I want to know His death. I want to know His resurrection. I want to know everything that, that there is to know. Look in Philippians 3. Next book over. Philippians 3. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or trash, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. That was power, wasn't it? That is the most dynamite power you think of to come out of the grave, which we look forward to be celebrating here in four weeks, three weeks. Boy, it's coming up quick. You guys ready? <laughs> and the fellow... and, and See, I'd like to stop right there. Just <laughs> The power of His resurrection. But then He goes... I even want to know the fellowship of these sufferings. Paul, you want more? I thought he had enough suffering. But he says, I want to know what that suffering is that he had. And we're filling up the lack of, of the sufferings that hadn't been met totally. The body has to go through that too. Being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Which he knew would happen. But that's knowing. That's knowing Christ. Having Christ-like characteristics there. Uh, Jesus said that He knew His sheep. And we know that. We know Him because He knows us. Ephesians 1, 17. Same book we've been in. And that's the prayer section. He says, uh, as He makes mention of prayers uh, for them, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That was a great prayer that Paul had. Because he knew he gave them some overwhelming doctrine that must have been incredible as he talked about uh, the chosen, the adopted, the predestined, the redeemed, the forgiven. Uh, You go on and on there in chapter 1. The good pleasure of God's will, the Holy Spirit sealing us. And and then then he says, I have to stop. And I have to pray for you that you can understand these things I've just given to you. And then in chapter 3, he does the same thing. He gives another prayer that they know the uh, length and the breadth and the height and the depth and the width and everything about Jesus Christ, uh, His love. Yeah, the riches of His inheritance. 
And he wanted them to really know that, to grasp it. And because he knew that chapter 4 was coming up, which is where we're dealing with tonight, that we'd be able to deal with all of what the church is about. Ephesians is really a lot about the church, isn't it? That's us. There is no grander display of Jesus Christ than the church. Local body, right here in Millersburg. The person of Christ is seen through you individuals coming together. Uh, that's overwhelming, right? I mean, you are a light in this little community and wherever else you go. It's good to know that. It really is. We're not wasting our time. <laughs> We're investing into eternity. This is the best investment you'll ever put yourself into. There is nothing better and that's an eternal promise. Ooh, great. Uh, one more passage. Colossians 1, 9 and 10. Another prayer. I like Paul's prayers. They are encouraging. You guys like to be encouraged? Word of God does that. has a tendency to do that a lot. And it also has a tendency to convict us too. <laughs> Did you guys get convicted this morning? Word of God convict you or anything? Dennis, you haven't been convicting them? What's the deal? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> That's right. The Holy Spirit does that. <laughs> That's a good answer. Okay. Just testing you, buddy. <laughs> That's right. Okay. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask, look at this, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? That you may walk worthy of the Lord. Look at this. Fully pleasing Him. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Not just about Him. It is good to know the facts. It's good to know the attributes. Think of His attributes. Think of His names. Think about who He is. Think of Christ coming here in the Incarnation. And then in His ministry here on earth, then the atonement, you know, the death and the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, His coming back, us being with Him and seeing Him as He is, just knowing all of Christ, knowing Him even more and more. And every time the Word is preached, every time it's taught, and you have different teachers in here, you have different encouragement things going on, every time that goes on, we're, we're beginning to know Christ a little bit more. You know? We can't get enough, can we? We need to hear more and more. Chapter 2, 2 of Colossians. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything is found in Christ. Everything. So we're not spinning our wheels. We are here to know the Son of God. This is eternal life that they may know Thee. Son of God. Now, next one. Until we all come to the unity, that's one of the purposes of the church. And once we come to that unity, we'll understand even more the unity of the triune God. 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Perfect man? Have you ever heard of a perfect person outside of Jesus Christ? <laughs> and we are to be perfect. Uh word there would be mature. Uh, the word there could be to uh, be reflecting the very image of Jesus Christ. Uh, radiating that. His perfections. We are to be made complete. The word there for perfect is teleos. What was one of the sayings that Jesus said on the cross? It is finished. It's complete. It's been done. So His work is done. Our work isn't done yet, but we're still working on it, right? Since we've been put in this time and place. To be fully grown. To be developed. And so that's even for now. I mean, that's encouragement to us. To be, uh, uh, you've, you've known of people that are said to be of maturity in the church. There are mature saints. or some that are just growing. Some that have just been born again. Um, but there is a maturity level. But eventually we know that there is that full completeness, perfection, the glorification. And of course, it points to that. Uh, go to Colossians again. Chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. Paul just said this over and over and over. This is what he wanted to see. He wanted to see the church come together in such a complete way. Him we preach, it's Christ, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to His working which works in me mightily. That is how Paul pushed his ministry. He kept wanting to see a perfection in the church. And he just he was he was he was wanting the winning team, you know. And he had to keep going back to certain churches and he'd have to write back and correct them like he did at Corinth. Boy, I'd hate to take the whip from him <laughs> with the word of God. But whatever it took for them to be made complete, to be made perfect. We keep running across that word, don't we? Spiritual maturity. As many as are mature, as in Philippians 3.15, therefore let us, as many as are mature, and that's talking about right now in the present time, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Boy, we're getting a lot of the same kind of thought here, aren't we? Maturity, unity, attaining to that. So, and so he tells, hey, whoever is the one who mature, let's have this mind in us. And let's, let's walk by that same rule. Look in Romans 8.29. Ah, uh, you guys, uh, how many here uh, dealt with the golden chain back a few weeks ago? You guys did this golden chain? You know what? I think this has to be one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Uh, it's hard to choose a favorite passage, but I love this passage. Of course, everybody likes verse 28. You have to if you're Christian. And then, here's what the whole object of God's plan is. Really, this is before the foundation of the world. Here's it. Here it is. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image 
of His Son. To be conformed to the image of His Son. That is maturity. That's reaching completion. Perfection. One of these days we'll go all the way to that point. But even right now, we're changing from one level of glory to the next. For we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. You know, as we look at Christ, right? Anyway, that is uh, that's Second Corinthians three eighteen. I really need to finish that correctly. But uh, we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being right now. Matter of fact, this very moment, this very second. Did you know that God is transforming you? Anytime you get into His Word, it's not going to be because of me, but it'll be because of this power of the Word and the Holy Spirit. We are being transformed right now into the same image, image of the Son, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now that's a remarkable work that God is doing in people who were once rebellious, uh, who were once haters of God, who were, uh, we had nothing, we thought, you know, uh, the God stuff was all a bunch of baloney. And we look here now and, and uh, we look at the work He has done. It's just all credit to Him. All glory to Him. Look at that. He just keeps doing it. And He's doing it moment by moment. Continually changing. Every time we get in the Word of God and, and really look at it and dig, He's changing it. You know, I think back and, and I look at the days before I really... Uh, had an interest in the Word of God and His things, there is no way that I'd be in a church on a Sunday night especially speaking. I mean, to even attend a... a, a they used to call it training union class. Does anybody ever remember those days? Training union. And to, to, to a kid, to me, that sounded like the most boring thing in the world. The exciting thing that was happening was Ed Sullivan and Walt Disney. <laughs> Bonanza. <laughs> oh my. Uh, God gave me a different view over the course of time. Uh, those things are gone. They're done, you know. We still have something. This is for real. I'm thankful to the Lord because He did that. I sure didn't want to do it. And now I look at it and I wouldn't want anything else. And this is what we're about, isn't it? He did it. Wow. We are to be made complete. Okay, the next one, uh, we're going to go through this one real quick. Because uh, I've got a feeling you probably have done, read this section many times, you've probably taught it many times, but um, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's another one there. Uh, and that's dealing with spiritual maturity, being Christ-like. Uh, this next one, and by the way, the stature is the fullness of Christ. It's manifesting the qualities of the Son. He's the standard, isn't He? He is the stature. So that's what we compare ourselves to. You don't compare it to somebody else over here, some other church or some other people, but you compare it to the stature, the measure of Christ. Now, next, here's sound doctrine. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. There's, we are to be equipped. 
and keep being equipped where something flies along and we spot that immediately. We should be able to do that. We should be mature enough when something comes along like uh, all those trashy books out there, Your Best Life Now, we should say, that is bad stuff. Mm -hmm. When a Joyce Myers uh, has her stuff that comes out there, there's some practical stuff that she has, but there are many heretical teachings she has behind it too, and it's really dealing with yourself, ultimately. Um, you can go on and on with, with a lot of different people, that's not my point, but our, 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 we want to be measuring up to this, this standard, and as we do it, we look at what here is false teaching, here is truth, and I don't need that weak candy and bubblegum stuff if it, it, it may not necessarily be false, but it may not really be anything that's really going to build you up. There's no nutrients in it. You want something that is solid, right? So sound doctrine. Next, verse 15. Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ. So, growing in truth. We've already talked about doctrine and such, but here we go again. Alethuo, and it means to speak it means to profess. It means to deal, to act truthfully. And it means to do it in love. Of course, that's, that's the next one. But um, it's not only just speaking it with the mouth, but it also deals with your lifestyle, what you do and how you act. Um, speaking the truth is when you get together and you discuss God's truth and His things. And you teach it. You speak it. And you do it together, you discuss it. So it's not just merely speaking, but it's taking all that in. That's your, that's your way of life. How do we hold on to that truth? Truth has to be something we hold on to. We have to hold on to that truth. Paul even told Timothy to uh, make sure you uh, hold on to that deposit that's been given to you. This truth contrasts every wind and doctrine that comes by. This truth is, is solid. It's defined. It's analyzed. It's, it's stated in propositions. It's actual, real truth. Uh, I'm just going to do one passage. Romans 6.17. This is dealing with the truth. The truth that brought us to the word uh, to uh, becoming Christians. Verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin before, yet you obeyed from the heart. What did they obey? that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. It was the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Uh, here it is, that brings that to them. This form of doctrine, this, this is uh, the teaching, it's truth. And you were delivered out of that bondage. The Word of God is what took you out. The Word of God was the key. Oh, I think of Pilgrim's Progress. He's in Downing Castle. And he's sitting there just doubting about everything and then all of a sudden I've got the key the key the key I've got the key and it released him out of that prison mm -hmm. the key was the promises or the word of God always the truth foundational doctrines the authority of the Bible the deity of Christ the person and work of Christ those are big key doctrines aren't they who Christ is his work um, the trinity how about justification by faith? Is that a pretty big doctrine? <laughs> um, 
I guess I can think of what? Did I say Trinity before? Uh, the church. How about the, the church? We're talking about the doctrine of the church. That's pretty important too, isn't it? To know who we are. That's one of the first things I want to get new Christians into is the book of Ephesians and have them understand who they are, where they're at, where their position is. Now, here is how you are to function. You know, and here's where you've been placed. Look at this. This is great. Okay. Um, why were there creeds and confessions? We even have them today. Why would you have those kind of things when you have the Word of God? Are those things good? They are, aren't they? Because they sum up the whole body of truth and you can put them in a paragraph or a little booklet, maybe a couple of pages, but it shows quickly what you believe in in a a short amount of time. And uh, kind of like our responsive readings that we do this morning. Kind of like confessions. Of faith, what you believe in? Scripture. It's just scripture, but we say it, you know. We do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. we do the same thing. And that's what it is. It it gets your condensed belief. And that's good. And and it's good to be able to do a lot of different ones because there's so many. I hate to be stuck with doing the same one all the time. Like some churches do the Apostles' Doctrine uh, or uh, Apostles' Creed or other ones. And I have nothing against that. I really don't. But I'm saying there's so many other creeds and confessions and scriptures that you could be reading too, you know. And so why does it have to be over and over? Okay. Uh, I'm not trying to pick a bone with them, but... I think uh, on the other side, the ones who believe you don't have to have them, they're very arrogant in the sense of they're saying we don't need those. And these are the churches that really have no doctrine. And they don't want to have doctrine because it sounds too blonde, boring, and you ask them, what do they believe? Well, I believe what my pastor believes. Well, what does he believe? Well, he believes the same thing the church believes. Well, what's the church believe? He believes what the pastor believes. It believes, it believes what I believe. What do you believe? <laughs> right? Uh, should be able to have that answer. The Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the, the uh, what, the 39 Articles, Westminster Confession, the uh, London Confession, 1689, Baptist Confession. All those things are historical. Uh, we haven't really changed on, on, those, on those views. Uh, they take on uh, false teachings. And that's why the church had to have creeds or... Um, confessions about the deity of Christ, the Trinity, because they were starting to come up with Jesus is not God, uh, or there is no Trinity, and and you had people like Athanasius have to stand up and defend the truth. (laughs) And he was really hounded for that for a long time. Uh, But that's that's dealing with uh, speaking the truth in love, and that's our balance. The truth is wedded to love, and if you look at Paul, you'll see nothing but love and everything that he addresses. I, I had so many scripture here in Thessalonians and Corinthians and Philippians and Colossians about the love that Paul had for them. And we saw that, we've already seen those, that he wants them to know Christ. You know, be, be complete and mature. An authentic life will speak the truth. Mm-hmm. If you're real, you'll speak the truth. And how will you do it? In love. You can't help but do that. You don't want to do it to blast people out of the water and show them that, hey, look how much I know and you don't know. <laughs> we want it because we want them to know God's truth too. And so that's and that's how Paul delivered it. One other thing. One big verse. <laughs> From whom the whole body here we go, folks. Wait. I better I gotta back up in fifteen. Uh, I, I forgot the most important part. 
we may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The pastor, the teachers, the ones who are leading in the church, they give it to the others and then they give it back to the pastors and the teachers and they grow and then they put it back and it's just all working around and we're all growing and we're growing steadily. Keep going and going and it's all because of the source. Christ is the source of life. He's the head. And the whole system is connected to this brain. And we all are connected to Him as we're connected together this body of Christ, this illustration is incredible. For me to live is Christ. Real quickly, we're brought together, we're held together by Christ, we're closely knit. It's a close, tight, compacted situation that we're in. This temple, as we talked about earlier. The joint is a connecting link, and the joint is kind of like, a, that's where the supplies of life come through. And the energy passed to every part of the body. The energy is all coming from Christ, but the joint does not supply, but it is a channel. And I have to think of this as kind of like whenever we get together and we put, we pool this together and we, we get the Word of God uh, going with us and it, it passes from one member to another, those joints there are there are providing the power that God has already put there anyway and it's it is stimulated and moves on throughout the rest of the body. The power in the church flows from the Lord and it goes to individual believers and then the relationships that work inside the little local body. And that's why people, whenever they're missing out of uh, this kind of ministry, when, when you meet and, and you preach and teach the Word of God, it's like you're missing part of the body. And you'd like to see them grow too. You ever have that same kind of feeling? And you pray for them, you know, you, you want to see them grow more perfect. Well, that's the kind of feeling that Paul had constantly. And uh, he, he saw an effectual working that was happening with God, and he wanted everybody to be a part of that. Here is how one summed this up. I don't have to quote who it was, and, and I'm done. We are all fitly joined together. This is a summation of this. I think it's probably least word studies. We are all fitly joined together compacted and held together and energized okay compacted held together and energized through the bands of supply by an abundant supply that comes to us from Christ so we're all helping each other out. all comes from God flowing through and it hits that joint we come in together and little fellowships and 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 uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, and whenever you get together, one-on-one, praying together, and God is working this communication line throughout, and He's making us grow. The body of Christ, that's God's pattern. That's, that's a little bit of His pattern for building the church as we uh, kind of outline that. Wow, guys, incredible section. Sorry I didn't get it out as much as I, as I would, uh, would like to uh, because uh, I'm lacking there. So what's going to happen when you guys do do Ephesians, probably two or three years from now, whenever you get the chance, 
I'm telling you, I, I gotta, I gotta encourage you on get into the study of Ephesians whenever you can, and get everybody involved because it is an incredible book. Thank you for letting me share just a little bit out of each, to the, about these three chapters. It's been a blessing. Thank you. Thank, thank you guys. Uh, uh, pray for you, and uh, we need, we need the same kind of prayer in our church, and like, like Paul's prayers. And we're all in this together. We're yeah. we're in the same army. I'm just glad to be in the army. Yeah. I'm just glad to have a uniform. Being in the parade, you know, <laughs> it's great. Would you like for me to close? Father, we thank you for who you are. It's all about you, and your word is immense. It's incredible, uh, Lord. There's so much there that is so encouraging for us. And we know that uh, we never waste our time and that we are learning more about who you are and then what your desire is for us as we minister to each other and you bring other people into our lives and in the church and so that they can be built up so as they in turn then take what we have given them that they go out and build others up and show the truth who take it up to others and for, Lord, you've done this for 2,000 years. And I can't think of any kind of institution that could ever compare with this living body, this organism. And thank you for this church at uh, Millersburg, uh, which is a light, uh, a light in a, in a dark world. And there's a pagan surroundings all around us, but Lord, help us be that kind of church where people would desire to come and seek you out through the truth that we have to offer them. Nobody else has the truth. Only the body of Christ, the church, local bodies. Thank you that you've given us this great privilege to be able to grow and to pass it on, to be a part of your working ministry. In your Son's name, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you once again for coming.